Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to a, another coronavirus episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, you can hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Pre-ordered copies are available now on Amazon. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Bucher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. And it's my great pleasure to introduce this episode's guest, Rodney Hood of the Portland Trailblazers. And I could tell just by when we said hello this morning that Rodney is feeling good and well he should be because the we're recording this the day after the Blazers just knocked off the Philadelphia 76ers. CJ McCollum not available, Damian Lillard not available, and yet... You guys got the job done, and you played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is two games in a row, 30-plus minutes for somebody coming back from uh, an Achilles tendon injury. That has to feel awfully good where you are right now. Yeah, most definitely. I um, appreciate you having me, and uh, I think it's uh, a big confidence booster, uh, not just for, for me, but for our team. You know, uh, going in playing Philly, who's one of the best teams in the league without – you know, most of our starters and guys who played major minutes, uh, we had nothing to lose. So, you know, yeah. it was a fun game last night. So what was the, like, what was the mindset? What did what did Terry tell you guys? Terry Stotts, the, the head coach, what did, what did he tell you guys, you know, coming in, playing arguably the best team in, in the Eastern Conference and being so shorthanded? Well, he just told us to go out and compete. You know, uh, you know go out and compete go out and put some game pressure on them and uh and, and we'll see what happens. You know, obviously we knew it was gonna be a uphill battle without Dame and a lot of other guys and C J and a lot of other guys, but you know, uh we just fought, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what that's all he wanted from us and it just wound up turning in our favor where we, you know, hit a couple shots, you know, we got some stops and um, you know, it just it just turned their way. It was there a point for you where you you looked at it and or you it, within the game where you went, Damn, we we could get this thing. Like <laughs> we're we're not just competing. Like we could get this. 
Yeah, I, I felt it in the first quarter. Like, uh, you know, we had a, a really good vibe to us, and um, we we know they're a good team, and they was going to have a run or two. You know, Joel Embiid is probably one of the hardest guys in, uh, in the league to stop right now. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I think probably at the beginning of the third quarter, we went on a run right out the gate, and uh, we kind of knew it was going to be a, a game for us to, to win. We just had to keep our composure, but it felt good. It felt good just, uh, just to be in that type of environment. No doubt. Uh, we I usually do a, an icebreaker with everybody who comes on the show, uh, and it's uh, looking at uh, your specifically your middle name. But Rodney Michael Hood, who were you named after, or where did Rodney Michael come from? You know what? That's a uh, that's an interesting question. I, I I will have to ask my mom. I really don't even know. I mean, maybe I was born in '92, so. Maybe Michael Jordan. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. There, there's probably a few few guys who were named after after MJ one way or another, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um. All right. So, for for people who may not know, um, you you tore your left Achilles a year ago in December and missed the remainder of the season, but this is actually. You're the second Achilles that you've torn, right? You tore the right one at Duke, if I'm not no, mistaken. This is the first one. This is the first one. No, this, this, yeah, I, I've uh, I've had like some uh, tendonitis, uh, for, uh, you know, a couple of times throughout my career, but you know, I actually tore it for the first time in December. Okay, okay, because I there was a there was a report out there that I read that you had torn your right one at Duke, that it, they thought it was originally an ankle injury, but it was worse than that. But I guess that that's not accurate. Uh, no, no. Now, I had a little 10 I was playing, uh, I think, USA basketball uh, at the time in mm-hmm. college. Okay. And uh, I had some 10 so I didn't uh, go overseas with the, with the team. Got you, got you. By the way, I told my son that I was having you on the show, and he said, uh, tell him I'm a big fan. So yeah, I tell I you, that. I, I tell you that he he said it to me like it meant something. Like let Rodney know I'm a big fan. I'm like, okay, I'm sure it's going to make an impression on him. I'll tell him. So uh, his name's Matt. You want to give him a shout out sometime? Uh, feel free. Um, but he's a big Bla- he's a big Blazers fan, and he's a big fan of yours. And I got to say, um, I, I I am impressed by uh, for, I thought it was two Achilles, but. Your bounce, man. Your bounce is amazing. Considering that most guys, I, I, I just think about like what you were like coming up. How much bounce you had, but um, what, what was it like for you once you had that Achilles? I mean, that's that's got to be a little terrifying in terms of what am I going to be like on the other side of this? Yeah, I mean, it's a it was a daily battle. You know, what I mean. Uh... You know, it's one of the, the toughest. Well, it's probably the toughest thing I had to go through as far as basketball. And uh, just every day, you just wake up with a certain doubt. You know, everybody, everybody, whether it's a doctor, whether it's family, whoever tells you that you're never gonna be the same, and you know that just builds in your mind. That doubt builds in your mind. But you know, I just went to work every day, and uh, you know, starting out the season, it, it, it's still terrifying. You know, to you know, are you gonna re-rupture it? You know, uh, is this going to happen, this going to happen. And um, it takes a while for you to just build that confidence back up 
the way you had it before you got injured. And uh, I think I'm finally, I'm, I'm almost there, you know, hmm. as far as just being confident in, in all the work that I put in. Yeah. I, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and we talked about this uh, a year ago when we were actually able to, uh, media and players were able to uh, cross paths and, and see each other in person. But uh, we talked about your transformation as as a player and uh, and how you have learned to deal with pressure. And I, and I looking at your career. I mean, you made some pretty big moves early on in your career. You won a high school championship. You played a lot as a freshman at Mississippi State and then transferred to Duke. I don't know how many guys make that move uh, before and having to sit out a year. Uh, did you did you feel pressure at those lower levels? Did you how did you how did you deal with it in in your earlier in the earlier parts of your career, considering how much you accomplished? Yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of pressure, uh, you know, starting off in, in Mississippi. You know, uh, I made a goal for myself to be – try to be one of the best players ever to come from there. And um, it's a it's a lot of great players that mm. came from that's – played, that's played in the NBA, that's had great careers uh, that I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to put my name with them. And, you know, I couldn't do that without winning a championship. And, I, you know, my, my junior year I lost, and then my senior year I, I finally won. And then going to Mississippi State with a with a lot of pressure uh, pressure being a hometown or home state kid, you know, um, trying to live up to that. Yep. You know, things that kind of uh, didn't work out as well as I wanted to. Then you know, going to Duke, you know, was the epitome of pressure. You know, when you're talking college basketball, mm-hmm. you know, the standard is so high, and uh, every single game, every single year, they expect you to to win, and uh, that put that that made me better though by going through it. Yeah. What was that? What was that year at Duke? Um, what was it sitting out a year like? What What did you do with your? I mean, how did you how did you keep yourself occupied or not having things kind of go 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 sideways? Just not having basketball as a frame of reference. Right. It, I mean, it was it was tough, but uh, you know, I had a great support system, Coach K, and um, you know, all the guys, Coach Shire, Coach Capel, who's now at Pitt, you know, really kept me encouraged. Wojo, Chris Collins, all those guys, hmm. and uh, you know, I treated practice like my game. You know, and I really got better in that, in that year I set out. You know, I got stronger. Um, off the court, you know, it was crazy because, you know, the team was leaving, going on a roll. I had to stay back. Yeah. And that's where, you know, me, me and my wife, uh, you know, really got close. You know, she's, uh, you know, she played at Duke and we met and we would go to the movies and just try to keep ourselves, keep myself occupied. You know, so it wasn't that tough. So, yeah. uh, you know, I had a great, it was a great year and I, I appreciated that year too. Uh, you guys ever get on the court? You guys ever play games against each other? How did that? How did that? Uh, how did that romance go? How much was basketball involved in the romance? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a big. It was a big part. It was a big part. You know, that's what brought us together. You know, her playing basketball and, and me coming there for basketball. And you know, we kind of got close during the, the football season, where you know the girls' team and the boys' team kind of do activities together. Mm-hmm. Saturday mornings and stuff like that, and um, you know we just we just naturally we was friends at first, and then naturally became uh, you know I swept off her feet, <laughs> and uh, you know it was just great. You know we played a lot of one on one and just shooting in the gym together. Had a lot of long talks just in the gym late night, thinking about you know her dreams, my dreams, 
all those type of things. So I think that's why they drew us uh, closer together. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the uh, so you get to you're, you're drafted by Utah. You go to the Jazz, and I was thinking about this actually last night because I was thinking about Ellerby and Anthony Simons and these young guys who can who who come in with the Blazers with these established veterans and if i recall the jazz team you joined was really young was it was it not i mean who's your vet uh my vet was really the only real vet on our team was trevor booker and um (laughs) everybody else like gordon was probably in his fifth year yeah everybody was in there either fifth year or or lower you know like everybody's on a rookie contract i feel like on the team and maybe uh, Jeremy Evans, you know, um, if you remember, was a slam dunk contest winner and oh yeah yeah, yeah. all that. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we came. I came into a young team, and um, you know, uh, it was fortunate for me. You know, I got a chance to play early on, which not a lot of guys get to do. Mm-hmm. And but what what is that like? Like, what's the difference when you look at the experience that maybe Anthony? Or or LRB are having with this team versus your experience, what's the 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 good and what's the challenge of being on a young team? Obviously, the good is you you got the chance to play right away. I'm wondering if there's some things that you see LRB and Simons uh, experiencing that you learned later, just because I mean we, you guys are probably all borrowing Booker, right? As 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 the vet, <laughs> like he was, he probably had more than one guy, which isn't always the case. Right, right. I mean, I, um, I think it's it's always great to learn uh, while you're out, actually out there. You know, I think uh, as a young player, it can be frustrating to not to have the talent, to have the ability, but not play because you're just playing behind you know great players. And uh, me and Aunt, me and Aunt talk all the time, you know, just about. Now, I, I, I personally feel if he came into a situation like mine or where he got a chance to play, he would be one of the best up-and-coming players in the league. You know, that's a that's a guy people would be talking about. Yeah. But sometimes people just got to, you know, wait their turn, and it's frustrating. And, um, you know, but I think once he, he's going to get a shot, you know, as you people see glimpses now, but once he actually get a shot, people will be, uh, you know, he, he's going to be an amazing player. And uh, the Blazers organization is a great organization. You know, I got drafted into a great organization, you know, with Utah. And, you know, uh, we struggled probably my first year. And uh, my second year, we were on the glimpse of making the playoffs. Uh, but my third year, we took off. And, you know, now, it, you know, obviously they're a great, great or great team now. But it started with, you know, uh, I came in with Quinn, Quinn Snyder. His first year was my right. first year. And, uh, coming into that type of environment really made, uh, you know, us better, even though we weren't winning games at the time. Uh, and I, I got, I have to think, um, as a guy from Mississippi, I mean, you, you were never a big city guy. Um, and some guys struggle playing in Salt Lake or going to Salt Lake. Was that, how was that for you? Um, going there and starting your career in Salt Lake city? It was actually it was actually kind of a shock because uh, when I when I did pre draft workouts and um, interviews and all these things like I didn't meet with Utah I, I may have met with them for like five minutes and then uh, I didn't work out there so when I was in the draft Utah was not on my mind at all hmm. and uh, they wound up pick I slid a little bit in the draft and then I, I wound up falling to uh, twenty three and I got drafted by Utah and 
you know, I looked at, you know, the situation I was going in. I was just excited to play basketball to get to get it going, you know, and uh, you know, just going into that situation with a clean slate, being able to prove myself, uh, I think was just a match made in heaven. You know, um, I love my time there. You know, it, it was great being there, but uh, just going there, it was kind of a it was kind of a shock because I didn't know nothing about Salt Lake at, at all. Hmm. You know, uh, at all. So it was it was it was good though. Wow. Um, where did you? I'm trying to recall. Were you in the green room for the draft? Yeah, I was. I was. You know, going into draft night, uh, I was told. Well, my agent at the time was told that you know probably 16 would be be the lowest I'll drop. Yeah. Uh, or if I was at 16, they would take me. A certain team would take me. But uh, who was I, that? Who was at 16? It was Chicago at the time. Okay. So Chicago had a 16 pick, but they wind up. Uh, getting two picks to trade for uh Lamar- I think they had sixteen and nineteen. They they got two picks for Doug McDermott. Okay. To move up. Yeah. And then I wind up following the uh uh Utah. Now how much do you still carry around like guys that went ahead of you? I still you know, I go back to Paul Pierce used to work out and he'd like with every shot he'd say the name of a dude that was drafted ahead of him because I think he went 10th and he expected to go much higher. When when you see a guy, when you see McDermott, you see any other guy, you know, that was taken ahead of you or where you thought you were going to go, is there any added, like, motivation to show the team that didn't take you or any of that? Does that how long does that last? Uh, it, it doesn't last that long for me. Um because, like I said, when I came in, I had an opportunity to play. And I saw, hmm. you know, guys that were uh, drafted ahead of me that, that were on probably better teams that had better players playing in front of them. They didn't get that opportunity. So that's when I learned, like, draft position is cool. It's good, you know, especially if you're in the first round, getting guaranteed and all guaranteed money and all, the, all those things. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting the opportunity. And, and I had that. So – I left that alone, you know. Um, I just wanted to make my stamp in the league, um, and I think things like I said on draft night, things like that will be proven over time. That you know, when they, when people do like the redraft things and where you would be drafted and you know, all those type, then the, the people will see. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm just fortunate enough to uh, just get an opportunity. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, so uh, by the way, I I should have asked you how much does your wife, even at this point, um, critique your game? Like, how much conversation do you guys have about uh, what's going on with you on the court? All the time, every <laughs> every single day. Really, every single day. Like me, me and her are like polar opposites. When it comes to basketball, she's uh, you know, I've been known as the more unselfish guy. Yeah. You know, uh, not not you know as aggressive as I should be and stuff like that. She's complete opposite. She wants me to shoot the ball every single time. <laughs> and, 
you know, uh, get up 30 attempts a night. But that's why I love it. She holds me accountable. She doesn't shoot sugarcoat it. Yeah. You know, um, she's there for me, you know, when I'm down. But she all, she all, she's always truthful, too. So that, that that's a big plus. So how did, how did she feel about what you did last night? Uh, she feels great. You know, she, she's been with me through this process. Um, she tore her ACL, so... Well, Achilles may be a little tougher than ACL, but she knows how the process is, the mental the mm. mental aspect of just coming back and getting back to yourself. So, you know, that starting out the season is just about getting my feet wet, you know, uh, just getting better, getting back in game shape, getting my body back in game shape, because I didn't get an opportunity to do it before the season. But uh, she understands, you know, and that's the biggest thing. So games like last night, which, you know, I probably only scored like 16. Yeah. But to her, that felt like 30, you know yeah. what I mean, yep. because of what I've been through. Yeah, for sure. And how do you pronounce her name? Uh, Rache. Rache. Uh, just call her Shay. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, R-I-C-H-A, correct? Right, right, but yeah. it's pronounced Rache. So my 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 last name Buker, like people, I this I always have a problem with this when I go to the grocery store or someplace. People take shots at pronouncing mm-hmm. it, and they always screw it up. So I've always decided, look, look, if you don't know how to pronounce it, just ask first. Like, don't don't mess it up. Like, right. <laughs> it's okay. I'll tell you. So I didn't want to I didn't want to take a stab at it and uh, and get it woefully wrong. So I figured I'd uh, I'd take my own advice. Um, uh, you'll be all right. You, uh, I don't think it's one person that got her name right at the first try after reading it. It's always Rika or Richa or something like that. So. I was going to go Richet, which is not would not that far off, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, but I'm 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 glad I took the safe approach. I I feel better about that. Um. So uh, again, you go through the evolution. You go to Utah. You're in Utah, and and things are evolving. Um, and then you wind up in Cleveland. What was that experience like? Because you were there parts of two season like you got traded halfway through one season and then we're moving on again the next season uh what what was that experience like uh whew, it was a it was an experience you know it's, it's a experience that i don't i wouldn't trade for the world you know i, I learned a lot throughout that process uh, you know, I kind of knew I was kind of going to get traded from Utah. Like, the, the rumors were very loud, you know, um, hmm. behind closed doors and in front of my face. So, you know, uh, but I didn't – I necessarily never saw Cleveland because, you know, they had went to three straight finals. They had uh, – uh, if you remember, that t- that year they had particularly a new team mm-hmm. uh, with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and those guys. Yep. So, as far as – making that big of a trade uh, for us four guys. I, I didn't think that was going to happen, but I wound up going there, and I didn't believe it. I remember getting a call saying I'm going to Cleveland. I, di- I just didn't believe it because of who they were at that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, just going there, you know, I remember went to Atlanta, and everybody was so embracing it. You know, I was just – I didn't know how I would fit. I didn't know how things were going to go, but I was excited about being there. And uh, I got a chance to learn from, you know, some of the best, best uh best guys ever you know lebron obviously is one of the best ever to ever lace him up you know he's one of the smartest basketball players you'll ever find you know uh you got a chance to learn from t lose who's a who's a great great coach you know um you know k love you know 
all-star guy, you know, Jr. Tristan, those guys that had been in the finals knew what it took to win. So I learned every single day, you know, just, um, you know, how to become a better player, how to work, yeah. what it takes to stay at that level. So I, I learned a lot. Was it, was it then a disappointment when you got traded? How, how did you feel about when you were there for a short period and then suddenly you're on the move again? Oh, no, no, it wasn't a disappointment. And next year, that's when, uh, you know, Brown went to L.A. And it, it was kind of a a, a rebuilding type of uh, atmosphere. And, um, you know, I wanted to play, you know, I wanted to get a shot back to play in the playoffs. Cause, you know, I just felt like I just wanted to play on the contender team or a team that wanted to play for something. And, you know, uh, I think everybody knew, like, it was about five or six of us that got traded. And I was kind of like the last one. Hmm. And uh, but I was excited, you know, to to be able to come to Portland and you know get a chance to play with these guys. Obviously, we had a lot of battles when I was with Utah and uh, playing playing against Dame and CJ, those guys, six times a year, you know, yeah. preseason and, and regular season. And uh, I think it was a match made in heaven. I, I I really enjoyed my time here. Yeah, for sure. Um, before before we get to that, because I do want to I want to talk to you about uh, your experience in Portland. Um, one of the things that inspired me to want to talk to you about your evolution is because there was, and I, I wish I could remember who it was said it to me, um, but they recall that you had um, you had a workout when we were talking about handling pressure that you had a workout for a team where you were so worked up or nervous that you threw up. Do you remember? You remember that workout? Uh, I forgot what team it was, but yeah, yeah, I had a so I had a big anxiety problem when I first uh, got into the league or in college, but then um, when I got into the league, and um, it was I, I forget what team it was, it, but yeah, yeah, I was I was so anxious to just you know living out my dream, and you know I had a hard time handling it at that time because I didn't have it really growing up you know mm. so you know it was tough for me to deal with but yeah i did it and um <laughs> you know it was it was something that it was something to uh remember you know but you know it's part of my journey though well at what uh, uh so at what point in the in the workout did you did you toss your cookies uh i don't know i don't remember i think it's probably at the beginning more than likely it was at the beginning yeah and you so what were the teams that you worked out for how many did you work out for? uh Ooh, it was a lot of teams. It was, I think I worked out for Chicago, Orlando. Um, let me see. Chicago, Orlando, I think Minnesota, uh, Phoenix. Uh, ooh, that's a blur. Hmm. Not a problem. Uh, I, I got so where where yeah, did about, about five more things. Okay. Where where did the where did the anxiety come from? I actually don't I mean, I really don't know. So growing up, you know, I everybody gets nervous, a little bit nervous for the game, but yep. I never dealt with anything. So I think it for a long time I thought it stemmed from just, you know, playing um you know, I, I played at Mississippi State, I sat out a year. So my first game coming back, uh you know, playing in, in the preseason for Duke. And um, my first game, I was just super, super anxious because I've been waiting a whole year to play. Mm. So I had, uh, I, I, 
you know, I had threw up before that game. So I go, I go through it, uh, and I start doing it for every game. And at the time, I didn't think it was a problem because I'm still going out there performing. I'm not, you know, I'm fine or whatever. Uh, but once I got in the league, you know, it just it, it's it my first year, probably my first and second year. It was uh, well, really my first year. You know, it was still happening, and I was like, you know, I, I needed to get help. You know, just how to handle it, not yeah. just anxiety, something to be, you know, uh, ashamed about or anything like that, but just how to ha- uh, handle it so I can go out there and still perform because it became a lot on my body just to be doing that before every game. Yeah. So it, it, it felt good uh, to, to get help, and uh, I worked my way through it. You know, now I don't deal with it, but, you know, I help a lot of people out, you know, uh, with anxiety because a lot of people know my story, Yeah, uh, and it's it's been great doing that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so, uh, what? How did you get help? Who did you talk, who did you talk to? How did? Because I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think it, it takes a lot of courage to do that, particularly in competitive sports and 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 professional sports, because so many people have a, a weird way of looking at it as uh, as a as a weakness. Um, and so yeah. guys are reluctant to ask for help or, or, you know, things have changed. I think it's become more acceptable to look for it because guys, guys like yourself have spoken out, but it's hard to, to admit that and, you know, and reach out thinking that somebody might look at you a different way because of it. Oh, mo- most definitely. I think that was my biggest thing that was, uh, you know, it kind of feels like in a way kind of like embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know, in a certain way, but you know, when you when you really realize that everybody deals with something, you know, what I mean, they may not, they may show it in different ways, it may come up in different ways in their life, but everybody deals with something, you know, on this level, the stretches, the you know, sometimes depression, anxiety, whatever they deal with, you know, uh, and once I learned that, you know, you feel just more comfortable that other people are going through it with you, you know, um, you know, I I, I breed a lot of guys to go through it, like Kevin Love had. I think I was still in Cleveland when he came out with his piece about uh, you know him going through depression. Yep. But when you're around K Love, you would you would never know it because he's always upbeat and you know just goes about his day. So you know things like that really help guys out. And when I stopped looking at it like it was uh, like something wrong with me, you mm. know, rather than just something I just got to deal with, then I think I, I really got better. But I started talking to uh, Dr. Perry Sami, who is a uh, uh, Metal World Pieces, uh, old uh, psychiatrist okay. or psychologist. And, um, you know, I talked with her for months, and she really got me started on this. And uh, I, I really, you know, give her a lot of credit. Yeah. So the uh, first couple times in the playoffs, this is where I, I, I first noticed. Like, I would see you play, and... I just thought there were times where you were on it, and I thought, man, that guy can really play. And in the postseason, I think with the first time with Utah and then with Cleveland, uh, I don't know whether the anxiety came back. I don't know whether it was the press. I don't know what it was, but you didn't look yourself um, when you played. And what help me understand what was going on with you in those situations. Yeah, so my third my third year, we played made the playoffs. We won like fifty games. Uh, towards the end of the season, I had uh, hyperextended my knee really bad, and I was dealing with uh, some knee issues. I didn't take enough time to really, you know, get myself right. So I was battling that 
And then uh, it was like right around the time of the playoffs. So we go into the playoffs. And at this time, I'm coming off the bench. And, um, you know, the Clippers series, I played I play solid. You know, I played solid. But then the Golden State series, it was just – my knee was just bothering me like like crazy. And, you know, I just didn't perform where at the end of the day, you judge on what you do when you're out there. Mm. And that was a learning experience for me, you know, um, just going forward. And then going um, going to the next year, you know, uh, yeah, Cleveland was the next year. Uh, it was just – it was it was just a lot, a lot – thrown at me you know like during that time you know it was you know I was 25 I was on a rookie contract I had a wife that I had a son and I had a wife that was pregnant with twins we Hmm. had the twins in the middle of uh like game three of the first round you know um we and I'm in a new situation trying to figure everything out I'm in a different role than I was in Utah you know where I was basically had the neon green light you know before I left and then now I'm playing with better players. I'm playing with great players, and it was it was tough for me to transition and figure out where I was, where I was gonna fit on a consistent basis. Like some games I would, you know, be able to 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 play like I wanted to play, but then it was other games where I had to sit around and wait. And you know, it was a uh, it was a like I said, it was a learning experience. It helped me out to where I am now, but you know. Um, it was just tough for me to really just turn the corner. And by the time I did it, I had a good game in the finals against Golden State. But, you know, it, it was just too little, too late by that time. And, you know, uh, but I don't regret anything about it. You know, you go through certain things just to just to get better. Yeah, that I, that all of that makes perfect sense. And I often feel like the media and fans aren't always aware that like you guys got lives going on, right? You got you got real life stuff going on that is at times going to affect you on the court, whether you want it to or not. And I, I will, I'll be honest, I wasn't aware of all that. All I knew was when you went to Cleveland, and maybe this is partly on me because I thought, man, you were you were like a really nice addition to what they needed. Like I I felt like you could do some things there that were going to make them better. And when it didn't show up in the, in the postseason the way I expected, I was like, ah, you know, there are players, you know, in the league who they can be really good in the regular season. And then the test is, can they go to that next level in the postseason? And I felt like you had the ability to do that. And then when it didn't, show up consistently I thought okay well maybe maybe I'm wrong um did but clearly that wasn't that wasn't the case and that that was the beauty of you like going to Portland like when you went to Portland I felt redeemed you know like I was like okay that's the Rodney Hood in the postseason that I thought that I was going to see um what what allowed you like how where where did that shift where did that transformation happen for you um, between what happened in Cleveland postseason and what you did for Portland? I mean, well, I think it, it's just a part of the journey. I mean, that's that's part of why a lot of people succeed is, is going through tough times and and coming up short or, or whatever the case may be. You know, I, um, you know, I was young. I was still young during that time. I'm still young now, not mm-hmm. saying old, but – you know, um, that, that was in my third or fourth season. And, you know, you learn from every experience. And by that time I got to Portland, I felt like I was a seasoned veteran. I knew what it took to not only play well in the playoffs, but win in the playoffs. And, um, 
I was just, I was the same way. You know, I felt really uh, revived because I knew I could, uh, you know, play really, really well on the high stage. And uh, I got a chance to prove that, you know, and got a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals with a great group of guys and, you know, uh, really show the world what I can, can do on that stage. And, you know, I felt really uh, – Rejuvenated, you know, after after that project, after that uh, after the season. So, uh, what what is it about Portland? When I look at you and I look at Carmelo, and it it feels like vets go to Portland and they they get to become their best selves. Or I, I don't, you know, I might be pro- painting with too broad a brush, but is there something about the organization or the atmosphere? What what is it that seems like vets can come in and 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 really shine? Well, I think it's just the it's it's the organization um, in general. You know, I think Neil Neil O'Shea deserves a lot of credit. You know, if you look at myself, you look at Melo, and a few other guys that came in. They came in after quote unquote tough situations. Where he saw beneath, he saw guys with what they really are and not the situation that they were in. And um, you know, you know, when I got on the phone with him and we was talking, uh, you know, when I was getting traded, and he he was like, you know, you gonna be the guy that you know we were in in in, in Utah. You know, we gonna give you the ball, we gonna feature you, you know, we gonna play you, you know, we believe in you. Like those type of things made me want to come here. And obviously, you know, Coach Stotts is amazing. Just let guys play and let guys be themselves. And I think that's the reason why, you know, the, the Trailblazers have been so successful for so many years. And then it, it also helps, you know, when, when, you know, you got a superstar like Dane who's very accepting. You know, he, want guys, he wants guys to be themselves. He's, uh, he's a great leader, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's a down-to-earth guy. So those type of things you know, really help the transition for me to come here and uh, just be myself and, and flourish. Uh, you, you mentioned LeBron as a leader and, and, and Damian. What, compare how those guys, their their leadership styles. Uh, they're pretty the same. You know, I think, you know, obviously LeBron is a more, uh, like, polarizing figure, you know. Um, but he's a great leader, man. He's very in tune to the details. Um, you know, defensively, offensively, you know, um, he lead, both of them leads by example. Uh, they're very similar. Uh, I think LeBron has a tone about himself that's, uh, that's, you know, especially when it gets to playoff time where, you know, he, he, he's not fucking around, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I think both of them are just great leaders in their own right. They're different, but at the same time, they're the same. They got the same qualities, you know, as far as this you know, leading guys and uh, trying to win at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I I've always wondered about that because with 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 Damian, I mean, they come they come from such different backgrounds, right? I mean, LeBron was right. was anointed from like the start, um, right? And and Dame, you know, was that guy who was always kind of discounted, and uh, and and so I've always appreciated like I've, it makes sense to me that Damian would take care of everybody or relate to that guy, you know, down the line. I often wondered if it's harder for LeBron because he's just never been in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he does a good job at it too, though. I think he, uh, you know, he uh, really, you know, tries to get 
you know, he gets along with everybody, but he, yep. he really tries to pull people under their wing and, um, you know, like whether it's shooting after practice with certain guys, you know, he jokes around with everybody. We all go out to dinner. We all went out to dinner and all those type of things. So he does it, you know, it, it's, that's the shocking part, you know, honestly, because coming in, you think like, all right, he's, you know, one of the most, he like, you know, up there, the greatest sports figures of all time, regardless of sports. And he's taking time out to shoot with you and talk to you sometimes and, you know, and um, go out to eat and jet laugh and joke around. And, you know, he's a regular person. And, and that's what's the, the dope part about LeBron. Yeah. No, no. And, and, and I, and I agree. And I, I, I actually meant it as a as a compliment that he is able to do that, in spite of the fact that he hasn't had that you know that kind of experience as a as a player. Um, so uh, Charles Barkley, as I'm probably you're you're probably aware, put a hundred k on you guys to win the championship this year. What uh, what did you think when you when you heard that? Um. Uh... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think he, he's a he's a big uh, fan of you know our team and, and the guys on our team and how we play ball and you know uh, you know hopefully we get healthy. Hopefully we get all the way healthy. You know, with Zach uh, Zach Collins, you know uh, Nurk, uh, CJ, you know um, you know me getting full back to my full self and mm-hmm. you know by the end of the season we we hit full stride and you know we really make some noise. You know, I think. We have a real chance, but you know it's about a continuity. You know, just everybody being available yeah. and getting that chemistry that way. But it's just gonna take some time. We just gotta stay afloat right now and uh, keep the boat uh, sailing. And yep. then when those guys get back, hit the ground running. Now, Chuck, Chuck has kind of come off you guys a little bit. Do you what? Like, what would you say to him about him? Him? Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have. He hasn't jumped off the wagon, but he's like, he's got one foot dangling, like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, it's understandable. You know, I know uh, we've kind of struggled a little bit, you know, with, guy, with guys kind of being out, trying to find an identity identity while they've been out. But, uh, you know, it's understandable. But hopefully by the end of the season, we got them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like what you guys did against Philadelphia, obviously it's, it's one game. And, you know, teams sometimes when they're not at full strength and a, a better team – just can't muster the you know the the focus and intensity but i feel as if that depth that you guys showed against philly and and have showed just kind of you know grinding through these uh these last few weeks with guys out with nurk and cj out uh is an indicator of why charles and a lot of people think you guys have this this chance of kind of of you know, backdooring into something big is. Did you feel like last night was a little bit of validation? I mean, how, I wonder how much of a boost it is for you guys collectively to go. You know what? We're, we might be as good as we think we are once we get everybody together. Yeah, I think we we, we really believe in ourselves. You know, um, we, we believe in ourselves. We got a lot of veteran guys that know how to know how to play, know how to win. Has played whether they were here or, or other places, you know, played on winning uh, organizations and played in the playoffs. So we think we got the right tools. You know, right now it's just about health. You know, uh, it's strictly about health, getting us right. And then uh, I feel like we can compete, you know, against almost anybody, you know, because um, we've shown it, you know, when we were healthy. So, um, 
But I, I, no, I feel good. We we got a lot of guys that stepped up in the absence of guys, you know, whether it's, you know, and, you know, C.J. Ellaby last night, you know, Nazir Little had a, a 30-point game uh, against Milwaukee. You know, uh, Gary Trent is, is coming into his own as a player. Like, I go on and on about guys who are really playing well. And once everybody gets back together, you know, just try to keep that continuity. Now, the big question with you guys is defensively, I think how you guys get locked in. That's that's sort of been a an, an, an issue all season long. And when I look at the group that you have, I don't see any reason why you guys can't be better defensively. What do you what do you think has to happen on that front? I think it's just, you know, we just got to be consistent. You know, we show it at times, you know, uh, especially in the half court. But I think, you know, um, you know, we just got to have the mentality that that's what's going to get us over the hump, you know. And I think we show it at times. Last night we showed it, you know, that, you know, we can be good defensively when we locked in. But, you know, we just haven't showed that consistency yet. And, um, you know, once we do that, I think we'll, we'll take off. But and sometimes, you know, I, I wouldn't say this is a, a relatively new group, but, you know, we got new guys that's out there that's trying to mess with each other. And, um, you know, we got the tools. Like you said, we got the tools. We just got to make it consistent. All right. Um, oh, by the way, just one last thing. So, you, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're making this year, not to bring money into it, but you're making this year um, more than you made, like maybe your first four or five seasons combined. I, I just wonder what does that do for you as far as security or. Does that change anything, especially, you know, with a wife and kids and all that? Is there any shift for you when when you're able to go to another financial plateau? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's um, and that's what, you know, money means to me is security and comfort. You know, it's, it's nothing that, you know, I necessarily want to buy or anything like that, but just being able to take care of my family uh, at, a, at, a, at a rate where, you know, um, you know, I don't have to worry about that as much, you know, as I did my first four or five seasons. Because, you know, when you're young, you always plan for a contract or the next contract. And I felt like, you know, sometimes at free agency, I was coming up, you know, short, some, you know, some summers. And uh, to finally get, you know, um, a, a contract where you feel like I, I you know, I can uh, set a lot of money aside for my kids, my family. I can do stuff for my, that I always wanted to do growing up, you know, for my mom and dad and, you know, sister, brother, and all those things. It, uh, it really means a lot. So, you know, uh, I feel like I got a lot more in me, but, you know, this one was a, a big a big boost. I can relax and just really just focus on basketball now. Yeah, and how, how like, that's the, the other part, though, is, like, you want to take care of everybody, but at the same time, it's, you know, looking at it, I mean, I think people don't understand whatever the whatever they're putting in the paper. Like, cut that in half. <laughs> That's right. what you're actually getting, right? right. And then everybody yeah. wants to get on the gravy train. How do you handle that? How good are you at handling that? Because being able to say no, I think, is probably one of the 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 hardest challenges for a guy once once he makes it. Because everybody wants to feel like they made it with you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I mean, me growing up, you know, I'm the the baby, you know. Even mm-hmm. out of most of my friends, you know, I'm the youngest. So, uh, 
That's always extremely hard to say no um, because you grow up and you want to do everything for everybody, right? That's the dream. Yep. And uh, but you understand once you you know understand money, you know money runs out. The faster you get it, the faster it can leave. And no matter how much you think it is, you know guys, a lot of guys go broke or they, they you know they uh, they have a hard time after they leave the league because they spent so much money. They was you know uh, spending so much money while they were in it. And uh, you know I think I have a great support system. I think you know just understand. I always had a small circle. And uh, they understand I do a lot for a lot of people. Um, but they understand sometimes when I, you know, I told them to hold on or not right now or, or just under, that, like little subtle things that, that let them know that, you know, I'm thinking about them, but I just can't do it right now. Yep. And it's tough, you know what I mean? Because our, our uh, you know, our salaries are public. You know, it's in Google for information and, you know, people see that and they, they count your pockets as well. So, you know, um, and then they don't understand, you know, cutting the half of taxes, you got expenses, you know, I got a family, and it's about living for the next 30 years, not the next three, you yep. know, and I think that's, that's something that, you know, you know, us as basketball players are understanding more and more, you know, as we get older and more educated. Yeah, so so who, who, who clued you into that? Like, who, you obviously learned that lesson, but not, not every guy gets that, or gets that information early on where they're where where they're smart what who who got you on that train to thinking about the big picture uh i think i think you know probably a mix between my dad and my wife uh you know because you know my wife uh knows how big a heart i got and sometimes having a big heart and having money kind of don't mesh because sometimes you could be doing things that that's not in the best interest of yourself or your family hmm. just because you got a big heart and you don't want to let people down. Then my dad has always been like the filter to as far as to get to me. Hmm. Um, and he's always kept people at bay and, and uh, you know, help them understand as well that, uh, you know, I can't buy everybody a house. I can't buy everybody a car. You know, I can't pay everybody bills, you know, uh, you know, and all those things. So he's been a big help for me, you know, uh, as far as throughout that process. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you found the right woman, man. Sounds like she, yeah. like you, you, you and I being married, having kids. It's like you don't really know who you married. Yeah, you know, like you get. I don't know. As a guy, we sometimes we get married for the wrong reasons, or what's the attraction? And it's when you get in the foxhole and the bullets are flying. That's when you find out whether you really made the right choice. That's that's always been my my position. Exactly, exactly. You know, it started off as a, as a love story, and it was all, but my love for her has grew, grown so much, you know, just from um, after we got married, and, you know, we've been through so many things together, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with her personally, with me personally, with basketball, and, you know, um, that's what, you know, that's what builds the bond and yep. lasts a, a lifetime, you know. I, I agree. Hey, by the way, so you, you tear the Achilles, and then mm-hmm. was there any concern that, Portland wasn't going to come through. I mean, what did it mean for you to be able to sign? Because you signed this new deal in November. What was what was that like? At knowing that you were up to 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 get a deal, and now you're having to deal with coming back from an Achilles tear. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I was extremely uh, just grateful that you know they believed in me when they traded for me, um, and I, I came through and. You know, I worked out. I worked out in Portland, rehabbing my Achilles, and they saw the work that I put in. They saw how hard you know, I was going to get back, and they saw that I was, you know, I was checking off all the boxes, and I was going to get back to myself. 
eventually, physically, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they knew how, you know, important I was to the team and how much I wanted to be here. You know, I think that, that speaks a lot to them as well, that I, I actually want to be in Portland and I want to be a part of this franchise you know, for many years to come. So, you know, um, I, I was extremely excited about getting a chance to come back and, and build something um, special again. Well, Rodney, I, I love your story. Uh, I love your spirit. I appreciate seeing guys like you, you know, fight through things and come out on top and and being a success in a multitude of ways. I think sometimes we we define success maybe not in the in the healthiest ways possible, but I, I've just uh, I've appreciated watching you grow and evolve and and I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time talking about what you've been through and letting people have some insight into uh, exactly what it is and what what makes up Rodney Michael Hood. So with all that, um, thank you. Wishing you the best of luck and looking forward to when we can cross paths again. All right. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United We Cast Network. All guests appearing on Buker and Friends receive a gift from Mizzen and Maine, fashionable menswear made out of performance fabric. And if you've ever wondered why I always look so cool and comfortable on TV despite whatever heat may be thrown my way, it's because I'm wearing Mizzen and Maine. In our next podcast, I'm not sure who we're going to have on our next podcast. Could be a guest, could be a Buker Friendless, still working on that. But whoever or whatever, I promise. It'll be good. In the meantime, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our sponsors, Mizzen and Maine, and every other one appreciates knowing that you are engaged with the show. It also helps us, helps me to know. You want more guests, you want more friendless, I take my directions from you. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.